Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am still in Phoenix, uh, you know, really enjoying myself after an amazing Super Bowl. Joined by the crew, Brandon Deutsch, Grant Mona, Jake Dicker. We're all over the place. Brandon, you're in Los Angeles. Jake, where are you in the world? Are you in Wisconsin? Are you in Europe? I'm in Barcelona, Spain. <laughs> we are worldwide Whoa. here. I we love it. Worldwide. What is it, like seven there? Six, five, something like that? Uh, six, 6 p.m., yeah. When, when we're recording this, obviously. So, exactly. yeah, you'll be... It'll be the next day when you hear it on air. But uh, I'm doing well. It was a great game yesterday. Better than I expected, to be perfectly honest. So, All right. Let's start with the, you know, because everyone's talking about it. I mean, we'll talk about the game. But, I mean, I think everyone's going to be talking about the non-call, especially after the conference championship game, where a lot of people thought the uh, Chiefs got um, a lot of favorable calls. Um, listen, you talk to the players and the coaches. By the letter of the law, it was holding. But, again, that moment in the game, uh, Jake, well, let's start with you and go around the room. Um, does that tarnish the results somewhat? Yes, by the letter of the law holding, but like really ticky tack, kind of like you don't want a game decided on that kind of a call. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, this was one of the best Super Bowls that I think we've seen in a long time. It was just a dog fight back and forth the entire way between, you know, I think every year, not every year, but uh, often you see a team that that sneaks in doesn't sneak into the Super Bowl it probably isn't the best team that was that was there all year either in the NFC or the AFC and just find a way to get there um I think we had the two I think the Eagles were the best team in the NFC all year um Chiefs arguably the best team in the AFC all year if you want to talk about Cincy and Buffalo um but I mean the, the game lived up to the hype and it does it does kind of feel weird that there is for as good as the game was that that you know all the talk is about is about the holding call today, which which sucks. But um, I mean, Bradbury Bradbury talked about in his post game interview. He said, you know, it, I held. I was hoping they were going to let it go. Jason Kelsey wasn't making any excuses. So um, I I personally would have loved to see them. You know, the refs let them play, especially because they hadn't thrown a ton of flags all night at all. They really just kind of let them play. Um, it kind of reminds me of last year. When they they were letting the Rams and the Bengals play, and then they they you know they threw the flag on the holding call um, on Cooper Cup down at the goal line. I mean, obviously, I wasn't complaining then because it, it benefited me. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a great game. I don't want to. I don't want to forget that Jalen Hurts played phenomenal football. Um, outside of the, the obvious missed the or the the fumble, but it does it does feel a little weird today that we're talking about a penalty. Yeah, I mean, again, classic game, but Grant, you know, when, when it comes right down to it, games are not decided by one call, but again, that's the call that will get a ton of attention. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it like, like Jake said, it's it's pretty unfortunate that you have such a shootout, right? And and part of the reason why the Eagles lost is because of that shootout. They couldn't stop the Chiefs in the second half. They had that ten point lead at the half, and then all of a sudden they're down by a score and they had to climb their way back to even tie it. It's kind of unfortunate that we, you know, if, if this was a game, say, in week 15, and that happens, you know, nobody bats an eye. Everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, they pick up the flag, whatever, next game. If this isn't the Super Bowl, this isn't the biggest stage you're going to throw that flag where, in my opinion, yes, you could say, yeah, he tugged on his jersey, but for such a ticky-tack call, and, and for how to have the game not really end like that, but give the, the game to the Chiefs to where they could just run the clock down and the Eagles have 10 seconds left as opposed to them only being up by three and having the ball with, what, a minute 30, a minute 40? Um, it's kind of unfortunate. I, I would like to see what the Eagles would have done there in that last drive. You know, final drive to win the Super Bowl is always what we'd like to see as fans, right? I mean, I don't care. I, I know people have money on the Chiefs, money on the Eagles, but, you know, you want to see that as an entertainment value. Um, and the halftime show was awesome, too. Um, it was just like a complete shootout, like Jake said. And, you know, for, for almost three and a half quarters, we were going to say this is one of the most classic Super Bowls all, of all time. We could still say that, but now it's kind of tainted. And it's kind of a microcosm of the season where we had these reps that kind of change the outcomes of games. And some people are upset about it. Some people are saying, okay, well, this is just what it is at this point. But it's it's kind of funny that it comes down to that as as what decides the season for one of these teams. Yeah, and just adding off that, I mean, was it a holding call? Absolutely. But at that magnitude of the game, that point, you don't call that. I don't care. Um, you know, I, I just think as fans, like there were these memes like Game of Thrones first like six seasons, right? First seven seasons in the last, you know, the refs kind of ruined the game. Just like the kind of the last episode of Game of Thrones or the last season wasn't that great. Um, I know people were comparing it to that, but it was a fantastic Super Bowl more than I think a lot of people could expect it. At least we didn't get a Patriots Rams 10 to seven or whatever the heck it was. 13 to 10. You know, that was an abysmal Super 13 Bowl. to three. Thir okay. 13 to three. My bad. I <laughs> gave the Rams don't an give extra that much credit. Trust right, me. Right, trust me. I know right. that three. I know that three. Hey, it hurts still to this day. Pro, pro, pro bowler golf though. He's, he's kind of going off right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was a good game. And Grant, you're right. You hit it right on the money. Rihanna did a good job. Um, it was fun. I'm glad Mahomes won. I like to see greatness. But Hurts uh, did play fantastic. He did not lose that game. You know, he definitely stepped up to the plate and showed that he's more than just a runner. And he showed that all year. Like, he can pass the ball at an elite level as well. You know, so now the focus is on, um, you know, listen, we, we have this weird period where you have no football for, for a while. It's always kind of like the tough moment when the Super Bowl is over, no college football, no pro football until, um, you know, if you, if you care about the preseason this summer. But um, the odds are already out. Not surprisingly, the, the Chiefs are the favorite to win next year. Uh, Brandon, they, uh, your San Francisco 49ers, I think everyone's expecting if they can find a quarterback, they are in contention as well. The B Buffalo Bills are in play. The Cincinnati Bengals are in play. Again, guys, I mean, a lot of the talk this um, this year around the Super Bowl is what is this going to be like a year from now? Again, this was the first Super Bowl held in a state with legalized sports wagering. It'll be next level next year. I mean, it's Las Vegas. It's a stadium that's essentially connected to the Strip. Um, it, I mean, I, I really, as someone who is in Vegas half the time, I don't even know what that's going to be like. But let's, you know, I know it's a little too soon, perhaps, but 
again, I, I don't think we're we're jumping the gun by saying probably the same four teams are kind of in the mix in terms of Cincinnati, KC, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. Brandon, I'll start with you because I, I think I know what, what what you're thinking. Who do you think is playing at Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas? Yeah, I really think that they've been so close, both of these teams, um, over the past couple of years. I really think it's going to be Bengals versus 49ers. I think we've been close to having that matchup two years in a row, and I think it finally gets done in Vegas and you know what they say? I was I was really you know mad that they didn't make it this year, but everything in due time, right? Like everything happens for a reason. I think you know whether it's Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, one of them steps up, they find a way. They probably have the best roster of construction in the league. Um, the Niners, arguably, with you know all the weapons they have offensively, defensive line, they're gonna you know they also by the way tenth in cap space in the league, so they're gonna get somebody whether it's. You know, they got to get rid of Kinlaw, who they drafted like 12th overall a couple of years ago. There's like zero career sacks. But Burrow, I feel like it's so hard to repeat a rush. And we've seen this in, yeah. over the years. Like, I really doubt as great as Mahomes is, you can probably count them out next season, even though they're favorites. Like, it is so hard to repeat. As good as they will be, I just feel like it's so hard. Burrow, Lawrence, one, one of them is going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, in my opinion. So I, I'm going to roll with Burrow. I think they're pretty distraught after that loss. So are the 49ers. I think both of those teams come with a head of steam. Um, both get the one seeds in each conference and uh, meet up in, in Vegas next year. Grant, your thoughts on Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas? <laughs> Yeah, you know, obviously the cream of the crop, the four that are that were there this year are probably, like you guys said, the favorites. But you know, there's there's also going to be some shuffling around this 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 off season, and we we all know that there's going to be quarterbacks moving. There's going to be guys in new places, um, new head coaches, almost in a lot of new places actually, new coordinators everywhere, teams getting healthy. Um, so you have teams like the Jaguars, right? I'm not saying that they're going to make the Super Bowl, but you have teams like that that can take a leap. You don't know that. Um, you have teams like uh, like the Jets. They're a quarterback away from probably being a contender. Um, you have teams like the Chiefs, obviously, who can repeat. I mean, I know you say it's hard to repeat, but, you know, the Rams tried that this year. They were just not healthy, and the Rams are going to be healthy this year. They're, they're probably going to be a playoff team. Um, and then you have the Seahawks, who just made the playoffs after nobody thought, and they have a top-10 draft pick, and they're probably going to re-sign Geno Smith. You have all these teams that could like get into that contender status. You have a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore for the Chargers. You know, if they stay healthy, they could be a contender. So yes, we do have the cream of the crop, but and the Raiders, they're a quarterback away too. If they get a good quarterback, they could be hosting their own Super Bowl. You don't know that. So there's a lot of teams that are like one or two pieces away from contention that I could see getting into that top four, top six. Um even the Cowboys, if they you know, I know there's a lot to be made about the Cowboys and Arash, you know this, but you know, if they get everything together and you know, they have a new offensive coordinator, you never know. Yeah. They're, they're a couple pieces away from contention. So, um, yeah, there's teams that are right, right there on the edge that I would not count out at all. Jake. Yeah. Great. I, I, I mean, I'm looking at the NFC right now. I think the AFC is much more wide open. I mean, the NFC, it's hard for me to see either. I mean, any team other than the Eagles or the Niners, I mean, rosters currently constructed the way they are. Um, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl next year. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. But, I mean, you look at the NFC South next year. The NFC South next year might be one of the worst divisions we've seen in football in a really long time. Brady's Brady's leaving leaving Tampa. He retired. The Panthers are, I mean, whatever. The, the Saints, 
Derek Carr seems like, you know, a likely destination as he signs there. Um, as, you know, he's demanding to be released so he can, he can figure out what he wants to do. And the Falcons, I mean, are they going to, are they going to ride with Desmond Ritter? I don't, we don't know exactly what they're going to do. Um, but it's got to be the Niners and the Eagles for me in the NFC and the AFC, you know, teams, there's going to be a lot of shuffling around. We're going to see what happens with Lamar Jackson. You know, we're going to see what the Dolphins do in free agency. They're a couple pieces away. Um, we're going to see what the Bills do to protect Josh Allen. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be really interesting if I had to today, um, you know, one day after we've, we've wrapped up one season, make a prediction for next year, I'd, I'd probably end up going Niners Chiefs, I think. I mean, you, you, I, I can't bet against Mahomes again. Like I did it, I did it yesterday. I bet on the Eagles and the guy just continues. I mean, we can talk about the flag, but he, the second half, they, they just moved the football down the field at will. And it was, it was a beautiful thing to watch, even as someone who was just like, please get off the field. Like I, this can't keep happening. Um, they, it was just an offensive masterclass in the second half against, you know, this Eagles defense that everyone's been talking about for the last two weeks. Okay, so listen, it was Super Bowl Sunday, but now that it's the Monday after the Super Bowl, uh, we can kind of, you know, because we haven't had this crew together, the NBA trade deadline, what it means to the Western Conference in particular, I think for the Lakers, it, it it is truly an addition by subtraction. Yes, they got some good players, but when you talk to beat reporters, and the reason that this is important is when I was on the beat, I lived and breathed with that team. You're in the locker room with them. You, you travel with them, and you really get a sense. And there's a lot of things that you can't report, or there's a lot of things that you're hearing. Um, when you heard beat reporters essentially describe Russell Westbrook as a blood-sucking vampire, Take that for what it's worth because it's true. It's true because Dave McMenamin is not just making that up. Dave is talking to LeBron and Anthony Davis and other people like that. So um, I, I do believe it's an addition by subtraction. Beyond that, you add D'Angelo Russell who wants – to be there. I think he's just going to be happy to be there. And and you add Malik Beasley and uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura prior to that. These are really, when I say good players, here's the thing that, that, that we don't talk about a lot, and we did talk about it somewhat this year, is that LeBron and Anthony Davis were surrounded by minimum guys who may not be in the league a year from now. You look at that team a year ago, the fact that half that roster is not in the league is is an indictment on Rob. So at the very least, the, the team is now filled with guys who will be on whether it's the whether it's the Lakers or on a team next year? I know that's a low bar, but it, it, it's something. All right. So right now, as we stand, they are um, what is it? Uh, three games, two or three games back of the play-in tournament. Four games back of the six seed. Again, the importance of the six seed is you're not in the play-in tournament. The good thing about them is the All-Star break is this weekend. So it's a good moment to kind of take a break, reset, and call me crazy. Again, I'm very optimistic. I think this team has a chance to get into the playoffs, not just get into the play-in, but win that play-in game. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the trades? Oh, I mean, uh, by the way, I already sent my apology to Rob Polinka. I know we were talking all that smack <laughs> about Rob over the past couple of years. I mean, get that man, get that man a statue outside, outside crypto with the, <laughs> the sheer, the sheer wizardry. He pulled that off. I mean, 
You trade Russell Westbrook. I know he's on an expiring contract in a one through four protected first rounder, right? Like not even unprotected for Jared Vanderbilt, one of the league's most underrated players, elite defender, you know, underrated passer, great rebounder and can score a little bit. Malik Beasley is a perfect fit alongside LeBron James, and we'll see that when they start playing together. I know he didn't play well in his first game. Um, and D'Angelo Russell, who is an obvious upgrade over Westbrook. It's not like Westbrook played any defense, and neither will Russell, but at least Russell's 40% from three and can create. And he had a great first game. And now Dennis Schroeder's going off. Um, Rui Hachimura's been great. Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves, like, no one even knows. Those guys are good, and they're barely getting minutes. I mean, this has turned into a rush. You're right. The weakest depth in the league last year to legitimate depth this year. And that's important. That was important in the Warriors game. Their defense was astronomically better. Davis hasn't even looked like himself the past couple of games on the offensive end. And they still look good. So I'm with the Rosh. I think it would be a crime, the talent of this roster, if they don't at least get seven or eight. But I can definitely see them going up to six with how hit or miss the Wolves are. I mean, the Thunder will at some point, you know, start falling off a cliff. The Jazz will for sure fall off a cliff. Um, so I, I can see it definitely happening for sure. Yeah, I, I yeah, love I'm, Thomas Bryant. Good, but go ahead, Jake. Go I, ahead, I Jake. love Thomas Bryant, but give me give me elite defense and forty percent from three out of Mo Bamba too. That was that was a very underrated move uh, by Rob. I was, I mean, I know you guys read it because in in our group chat I was going off when we just traded Thomas Bryant for you know a bunch of second round picks, which was the theme of the day, which is this offload guys for five second round picks. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing in the entire world. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think that's, that's a move. I know he hasn't, he hasn't made his debut for the Lakers yet. Um, but that, that's a move that I think will, will benefit the Lakers long, you know, down, down the line. Um, you know, the big guy who can, who can come out to the perimeter and shoot. Um, you know, that's just the way the league's going nowadays. So I think, I think that'll definitely, that'll be the underrated move of the deadline for the Lakers. Yeah, you know, you guys hit it around the head. Depth is really important, right? And th those three through ten guys, we've been talking about this for months. Is those three through ten guys were not cutting it, and now you upgrade those three through ten in a huge way. You get rid of Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones. You get rid of Patrick Beverly, who's yeah, he was coming along pretty well, you know, at the midpoint of the season, but. He's not really that guy that you really needed. You had you had way too many guards. Now you bring in a couple guards that you know that D'Angelo Russell's basketball IQ is going to be a little bit better than Russell Westbrook. His ball handling is going to be a little bit better. These guys don't have to be as great as they were on their other teams. They just have to fit in around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think that's, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Malik Beasley's flaws are this. D'Angelo Russell's flaws are this, 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 and that. But you don't need to be the full potential of yourself on this team. Sure, that would be great, obviously, but you don't need to because you have two stars already to handle the front of that load. And yes, you know Jared Vanderbilt is not good on the offensive end, but what he did in that Warriors game just shows you like what how important he is to that team already. He made a couple great defensive plays. He was flying around the court. D'Angelo Russell was making the the right passes at the right time. Malik Beasley was off, but he was in the right spots every time. And you're going to have a guy like Rui Hachimura with that mid-range game. You're going to have Mo Bamba, you know, have that spread offense if you want to, like Darvin Ham likes. And you could have him at the three-point line or you could have him down low next to Davis. So pretty good, pretty good trade deadline. One of the best trade deadlines I've seen in terms of roster revamp, in my opinion. Grant, real, real quick, I will go to you in our last two minutes. Um, Clippers in a really tough spot here, and, and, and there's sort of like an underlying story here where there's – 
I, I don't even know what to call it, but, you know, a lot of the players want a point guard. I don't think Russell Westbrook is that point guard, but Paul George wants him. Um, you know, the, the, the story for the Clippers was load management consistently and things like that. I, I think that there's some, like, infighting or a, a, a difference of opinion at the very least in terms of the makeup of this team and the point guards. And, uh, again, you watch this team night and day. You watch every game. You're at all the home games. Your thoughts on what's happening with the Clippers right now real quick. Yeah, there, there seems to be a butting of heads between Lawrence Frank and what Ty Lue and the players want. Ty Lue said he wants a traditional point guard. Marcus Morris and Paul George have come out adamantly and said that they want Russell Westbrook as their point guard. And Lawrence Frank had a media availability before the last game, and he was like, it's not 10 years ago. We don't need a point guard that can do what you guys want. We just need a guy that can create offense, and that's why we got Eric Gordon, and that's why we got Bones Highland. So for right now, it's just really weird because there's a butting of heads between both of the the guys, the guys in the front office. It's just kind of weird that this team with a lot of depth, now all of a sudden there's a little bit of conflict, a little bit of differ, differing of opinions to go along with the load management and the roster construction. So it's it's a weird vibe right now. Awesome. Well, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Michael Duarte, who is also at the Super Bowl with me. When we come back on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rashmore Kazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, joining us now on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, my main man who was with me at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Arash. My ride or die for all of Super Bowl week. That's Thank right. Thank you for having me on, especially as exhausted as I'm sure you and I both are. Michael, um, classic Super Bowl. I think a lot of people are, are talking about the call, mainly because was it the correct call? Yes. But, you know, what, what, what happens when a call like that is made is a lot of the drama is sucked out of that game, you know, because, um, you know, if they're forced to kick a field goal, then the, you know, then the kind of the, the drama of the game continues. At that point, when that call is made, they just have to kneel on the ball, kick a very short field goal, and the game is over. A, your thoughts on the call, and B, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, so, I mean, let's start with the call first and foremost. I thought Bradbury was pawing at our boy Juju Smith-Schuster oh. like I, like my dog paws on my, my sweater I'm wearing right now. So I definitely thought it was a hold and the right call. But to that point, I feel badly that that's how the game was decided. In fact, 
I was there in the Ox Press box of Rosh in that moment prior to that play thinking, uh, like, thinking you at that Cotton Bowl going, Eagles should just let them score. <laughs> exactly. Just let them score. They won't be expecting it that early. Let them go in and give Jalen Hurts two minutes to go get seven instead of potentially you're going to have what ended up happening, eight seconds to get three, and we knew yeah. that wasn't going to be enough time with no timeout. So, you know, I don't know why a lot of teams in these situations don't develop that strategy where if you can't really stop the offense, just let them go in and score because it gives your offense a chance to at least tie the game and send it into overtime instead of letting the clock run out and losing. Uh, as far as the game itself, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a great game. Let's call up Rihanna right now because that game shined bright like a diamond. Um, and it was as unpredictable as uh, a game of rock, paper, scissors uh, as far as the Eagles going up 10 and then obviously the Chiefs with a with a massive second half, uh, especially two of those touchdowns in the second half. They ran two fake jet sweeps to get uh, Pacheco wide open on one of them. So I like the play calling there by Andy Reid, especially in the second half. Uh, and I think that's why we're looking at the Chiefs as two-time champs right now. Jake, uh, first of all, I know no one appreciates Duarte more than you do. I mean, and all of his... Uh, uh, by the way, Jake Dicker watching the game in Barcelona, Spain. Jake, I forgot to bring this up in the first segment. How did you consume the game? Were the folks in Spain just as excited for the Super Bowl? Um, no, if I'm being honest, <laughs> not, they were not. Um, so I, I landed, I, I was in Paris this weekend and then I landed in Barcelona at, around real quick. Look around. at this flex. Look at this flex from my guy, Jake Digger. <laughs> I was in Paris and then I went to Barcelona. Hey, Jake, so, no, hey, first of all, Jake, bienvenidos. Hola. Como <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, España so, is my second home. And, and, and Jake knows that you get a better rate when you fly through Paris anyways, and then go to your next destination. Wow. There you He's go. A smart traveler. Um, yeah, so I land Barcelona's home base. So I landed back in Barcelona at around eleven PM. Kick, game kicked off at twelve thirty in the morning. Um we were we were we had a whole plan. We're, there's this there's a little American bar that we've been watching a lot of the, the playoff games at, and we were gonna go there and then they told us um about three hours before kickoff that they were only planning on showing the first half. Oh my so, god. So <laughs> so we decided so we just we just streamed it through through uh YouTube TV in uh in one of my buddy's apartments. Um, I think we were up until about five in the morning. I had, I had a class this morning at 9 a.m. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, it was fun, but yeah, no, you definitely. So, so Jake left that bar thinking the Eagles had won the game and didn't uh, even know <laughs> what happened. He's just out there going, Hey, Philly fans. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely an interesting Super Bowl watching experience. I'll, I'll tell you that much. All right, Duarte, uh, you were at all the parties. Uh, we both went into the hardest party to get into, not to flex, uh, you know, for us, but the, the, the Fanatics party. KD, his uh, first thing in Phoenix is at that party. Um, mm -hmm. uh, just what, okay, A, what, what, what was your takeaway from that party? You got some great, uh, you know, captures, some great pictures and stuff there. Uh, set the scene. I mean, from Wednesday all the way to Sunday, all the parties. Oh, Rosh, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the difficult thing to do at Super Bowl week is because there are so many events, as you know. Uh, as I said, we were like arm in arm for a lot of them. And then some of the ones I never saw you, you were at a different event. Like I saw you interviewing Shaq on the red carpet of uh, his party where I was at, um, I think, Rolling Stone yes. party that night and also Drake's uh, thing at Hwood. So. Uh, my challenge for me is to try to be like, okay, which one is going to be 
the best one, the one to be at. Thankfully, you and I know that Fanatics is yeah. a class all by itself um, and a category all by itself. It is one alone as the crown jewel of the Super Bowl parties, obviously the most difficult uh, to get into. What I love about that party, and, and you and I walked around uh, together checking it out, is you know, most of these parties that we go to the rest of Super Bowl week or, or any week, you know, that we go to, whether it's uh, for sports or for entertainment uh, or just anything going on in L.A., for example, or New York, is you get a lot of normal people, a lot of guests at the parties. Uh, they're having a, the time of their lives. They're doing shots. They're dancing. They're having fun. And usually the celebrities and A-listers, there's about a dozen or a handful of them. They're separate from everybody. They're in a VIP area. They're kind of calm. They're chill. Uh, and they're kind of watching the rest of the guests at the party go go wild, to be honest with you. In this case, all of the A-listers were the ones going wild, doing shots. We saw Robert Kraft chugging a bottle of tequila on stage. <laughs> and and we, as the normal guests, Arash, I guess you would say, yeah. are watching them in their element. It's like watching some of the biggest stars in music, entertainment, sports, uh, the biggest owners and billionaires. There was at least a dozen billionaires that I counted there, and they're having the time of their lives like they're at a house party uh, yeah. that we would have like in college, and that was incredible for me to see. And then obviously getting those photos. I don't know if you saw the photos, the B-roll photos and stuff from the event after. Yeah. Seeing like Jay-Z, who I didn't see in the event live, seeing that he was there, seeing that KD was there. Oh my gosh, uh, that that definitely was... Uh, the party, someone, you know, it was an afternoon party, but if someone could shut out the sun with an eclipse, they should have because that place was lit. And uh -huh. um, yeah, to quote Rihanna again, Arash, this entire Super Bowl week of parties was work, 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 because uh, it is a lot of work to try to get to all of them, go to all of them, um, and try to enjoy yourself too amongst everything else that we have to do for the week uh, as sports journalists. But to me, the Super Bowl week is always my funnest week of the entire year. I don't know if, if that's the yeah. same for you. It's exhausting by the time we've reached this time, Monday morning, but it's always worth it. I feel like I get an entire year's worth of concerts in one week at the Super Bowl as far as the artists we saw. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but I got to see guys like Offset uh, from Migos. Obviously, we saw an all-star lineup of hip-hop at that, that uh, Fanatics party yeah. itself. So, I mean, just uh, everybody we saw from Cardi B to uh, the Chainsmokers on down, uh, just a great, great weekend for music and fun. We got to see Rick Ross perform on Wednesday night. So uh, it, was a, it was a good time all around. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to transition it over to Brandon and yours, 49ers. Um, Brandon, I'll give you the baton. I mean, who, who, if you had a guess, who is the quarterback week one and who should be the quarterback of the team? Because here's the thing. George Kettle was doing the rounds, and I think the biggest issue he had is, can I have a season where I just have one quarterback for the entire year? And I know that is usually the plan, obviously, but, you know, I mean, this year in particular, you know, he goes from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, you know, and it's just, can, can I just get one quarterback? So, Brandon, I'll start with you, then we'll trans transition it to Michael. Who is the 49ers quarterback next season? Well, first off, I don't think George is going to be too happy because I do think they're going to play both quarterbacks next year. Um, I would be shocked. I know he hasn't gotten surgery yet, uh, whether that is going to happen or not. I'd be shocked if Brock Purdy is starting week one. Um, I know they say he'll be back by training camp, 
Um, you know, definitely not. That's a, that's a torn UCL dude. Like you, you need to take your time with that. Um, I know throwing a football is different than throwing a baseball. It requires a little less time, but still, I don't think he's the quarterback week one. I think, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, happy that Trey Lance is going to get his opportunity. Uh, I know a lot of people, he's gotten a lot of hate, unnecessary hate at that. Um, I think he's a very talented quarterback with upside. Again, they have a Super Bowl ready roster. So there may be some bumps in the road at the beginning, but I think both quarterbacks are going to get their shot this year. Um, and I'm really excited to see what Trey Lance can do with how many weapons they have on offense. I know we did, we only saw the monsoon game last year with the Bears, but I'm sure Michael agrees. It be a fun year for the 49ers, see what both of these quarterbacks are made of. Yeah, so, you know, Brandon and I have been texting throughout the San Francisco 49ers season. It has been an absolute roller coaster ride full of twists and turns and curves at, at every uh, junket of this season. We started with Trey Lance, and, and Brandon and I probably spoke about it on this show, Arash, saying that, you know, Trey Lance was going to go through his ups and downs as well now that he had the job. And we saw it early on, right? Losing to the Bears you know, in hindsight, was a terrible loss. There was a couple bad losses before he ended up getting hurt uh, that we figured, okay, this is Trey Lance growing pains. That by the end, he'll have figured it out. And the Niners' defense is so good, and they have so many great skill players that they should be okay. <clears throat> Obviously, he goes out for the year. Jimmy G steps in, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, thank God we had Jimmy G, uh, or else this whole season would be a disaster. So Jimmy G leads the way, and then he gets hurt, and Mr. Irrelevant steps in. Uh, and is able to keep the ship afloat for as long as he can. I agree 100% with Brandon. Trey Lance is your day one starter for for week one. Uh, we're talking Tommy John surgery uh, for Brock Purdy, who, by the way, Arash and I saw at the Fanatics party, another flex. Um, <laughs> I talked to him, actually. and I. By the I, way... Uh, can I just, I mean, the Fanatics party is so great that, like, Brock Purdy is, like, like an afterthought. A nobody, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw him at the bar, and I was like, why is your arm not in a sling? He's like, oh, I haven't got the surgery yet. I was like, oh, okay. Doesn't it hurt? Shoot, man, you tore your UCL. But anyways, yeah, Tommy John surgery is typically, like, a 16 to 18-month surgery for pitchers. I don't think it'll be that long for him, but even when Corey Seager went through it, Arash, you remember as a shortstop yeah. who has to throw across the diamond to first base, uh, you know, sometimes even close to third base, deep in the hole it took a year recovery so uh i think that it's possible to see brock purdy maybe to the tail end of the season if necessary but you know uh, and brandon's not going to like this i actually thought against the eagles defense in philadelphia in that environment i know it was like raining a little bit that even if brock purdy was 100 percent healthy we would see the reason why he was taken in the seventh round, uh, the reason why he wasn't highly touted out of high school, you know, Nick Saban didn't want him at Alabama. He brought him in for, for a meeting. Uh, there was a reason why Brock Purdy was under everyone's radar and became Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm not saying he wasn't able to manage that 49ers offense, but he was also handed probably, in my opinion, the, the best defense in the league. Uh, and some great players in George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. So he didn't mess it up, I guess is the way to say. And I wasn't going to be convinced, even if he was 100% healthy, that the Niners could have beat the Eagles with Brock Purdy at quarterback. So I am excited to see Trey Lance start. This is the guy who was going to give him the keys to Ferrari all along, and we knew it. Hopefully he will be healthy next year. Uh, and I do expect some growing pains, some bumps in the road, but I think ultimately he is your quarterback of the future, and he is so dynamic with his legs, as we saw two two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl uh, that are very similar to Trey Lance, that are mobile and can create plays with the with their feet and keep plays alive. 
uh, and keep you on your toes. So I think the Niners' uh, future looks very, very bright with Trey Lance as quarterback. And I think Brock Purdy's going to end up being a serviceable backup. I think Jimmy G is going to go elsewhere, maybe a team like the Jets. Uh, who are looking for a veteran quarterback or another team out there that, that wants to give Jimmy G an opportunity. And I think those are your quarterbacks uh, for the Niners. And the last thing I'll say on that is I did speak to Kyle Shanahan uh, before they lost in the NFC Championship. I've never seen someone who who had such great communication and confidence in in Brock Purdy uh, than he even had for Trey Lance or Jimmy G, I'll be honest. So I think Kyle Shanahan really, really is high on Brock Purdy and really likes him a lot. I think LeBron James was at the game, and it was a funny moment. Well, listen, I mean, if you're not a Lakers fan or a LeBron James big fan, you're going to boo him. So he was shown on the scoreboard. He got booed, and he crowned himself. And I'm like, you don't <laughs> yes. crown yourself. Like, get your wife yes. to crown you. Get yes. your friend to crown you. Like, he crowned himself. I just thought that was so odd. Um, that transitions into my next question. Um, listen, we were both – in Phoenix for the Super Bowl, the only drawback, the only one, was that we both watched LeBron make history from here, and we both wanted to be there when it happened. To be honest, I th- thought it would have been Thursday. I was actually trying to figure out, like, it's sort of a, a way for me to see it on Thursday. It did not happen. He breaks the mark on Tuesday. But the big story, Michael, while we're here in Phoenix, that trade deadline, I mean, the Lakers are a completely different team. The good thing for them is the All-Star break is coming up. Hard reset, I think, when they, when they come back. Only a couple, a couple games out of the play-in, four games out of the number six seed. Your thoughts on this team as we go into the break and coming out of the break? Totally new team. Thanks, Ross. And, and yeah, I don't know if you, you mentioned when you mentioned LeBron, LeBron got booed by Philly fans there at the stadium. Uh, and, and come on, like Philly fans are hurting worse than Megan Fox right now. So I don't feel they've lost three championships and three professional sports here in the last three months. So obviously we feel a little bad for him, but um, they've also booed Santa Claus. So this is what Philly fans are. Uh, but yes, did you see Savannah's face when she saw King James <laughs> Brown himself, her eyes rolled and she looked yeah. away. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt in that moment. But it was kind of funny to see him booed in the arena after he was cheered at SoFi last year when they showed him on the Jumbotron. But, you know, King James foot uh, is going to be an issue for the remainder of the season, Arash. And I don't think he's going to be playing in all of the remaining uh, something like 25 games. I believe they have left on the year. So that's going to be concerning. Sources have told me that, you know, all tests are negative. He's going to be okay, but it's going to be something he's going to have to deal with and manage throughout the rest of the year. And I was looking at the schedule the other day, Arash, because I do think uh, addition by subtraction, right? You lose Russell Westbrook, a future Hall of Famer, a former MVP, um, but by subtracting him in that $47 million albatross contract, you get six guys back all said and done under 27 years old they're versatile they're athletic uh they fill a bunch of different roles for you as far as three-point shooting rebounding depth uh a backup center i think it's going to be better for this team in the long run i was looking at the schedule you've got to beat the teams in front of you and that starts on monday night against the portland trailblazers then the pelicans and the golden state warriors the next three games are the teams you're chasing to get into that play and you got a lot of games coming up the rest of the year against memphis and dallas um phoenix who's probably the favorites in the west now they got kevin durant like you mentioned and i think two more with oklahoma city 
another team you're chasing. Uh, but you have a couple more with the Rockets as well, uh, and a couple more with Utah, who believes I think they're tanking. I think you're going to jump into that spot. So I have them finishing the season 42 and 40, two games above 500. To me, that's enough to get in that play-in seed. Uh, I think they have the talent if they can put it together and stay healthy to get out of that play-in series. But then you're looking at potentially uh, Denver or Memphis or even Phoenix if they rise above in that first round. And I think that's where it probably becomes a wrap for them. But I think the future looks bright if LeBron and AD can stay healthy and come back with that core next year and they add some more pieces. You know, the thing about it, Brandon, is that if 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 they just get into that play-in tournament, I like their their shot again they have to be healthy but if lebron's healthy if anthony D davis is healthy if those young guys begin to gel you do win that playing game and that's all they've ever wanted that's all they've ever wanted get us into a seven game series and i'm telling you if they play well enough to get into the playoffs they will i mean listen i'm not saying that they're gonna win the championship i like their their chances to at least I make do. some kind of a run yeah I think they win a, a playoff series and win the plan and upset one of those teams. I mean, if they play the Kings, they're playing with house money or the Grizzlies. I mean, those are the two teams you want to play. Denver, I, I know they fare well against Denver usually. Probably not a team you want to play. Definitely not Phoenix or Dallas or the Clippers. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to their playoff push as well, Arash. Jake, real quick. I mean, if, if again, I don't think anyone's thinking a championship at this point. I really think the Suns, by by way of getting KD, you keep Chris Paul, you keep Devin Booker, you keep DeAndre Aiden. I mean, that's a pretty stacked team. But I mean, wouldn't totally shock me if the Lakers find their way, win a series, may, maybe win two. Um, your thoughts on them making some kind of a run here? Yeah, I mean, I think given given the trades that they made at this deadline, the, the, the biggest thing is now if, if AD and LeBron aren't perfect, there are enough guys around them that can combine to help carry a little bit of that load where they don't need to be, you know, on their, their A++ game every single night for this team to have a chance to win a seven-game series. And I think that that's all the, you know, the Lakers and all that Palenka wanted was this team to have a shot, um, you know, depth-wise to make a playoff run. And I think as we've talked about, um, throughout the show that now they're in a much, much better place to do that than they were, you know, five days ago. And it wouldn't surprise me if they won a playoff series. A championship, I think, is a little bit far-fetched. Um, but, you know, you put LeBron and AD on the floor in, in a seven-game series, and, and I'll take and I'll take the chances. Yeah, I mean, Duarte, we, we, we don't uh, hope for a playoff series win with the Lakers, but listen, after everything that they've gone through, not the worst thing. Um, so, Michael, a lot of fun. It's always good when we uh, when we get to party for one week. I'm getting a little bit older there, my friend, so I'm going to have to re recover and regroup. But obviously, good to see you on the field. Good to see you partying with uh, Drake and all your f friends out there. Um, Duarte, get some rest. We will have you back on next week. Jake, good to see you in Europe. Brandon, I'll see you tomorrow. Everyone, thanks so much. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying face. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.